Now, Connect FM Sports puts every play under review with Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. We are small college baseball champions again. We'll talk to Coach Tom Caleri and Assistant Coach Mike Nesbitt live in studio about that feat. The Penguins' search for a new GM appears to be in its final stages. Who will get the job, and should he or she want it? We'll discuss. I'm Dave Herzing. I'm Bob Anderson. Stay tuned as we discuss these topics and more as we go. Under Review, sponsored by Next Tier Bank. On Connect FM, your only local news radio. It's a great day to be a Penn State fan here, guys, because we got uh, a couple guys in studio with us, and we're going to be joined on the line here in a little bit by Ben Jones, who covers the Nittany Lions for uh, statecollege.com. But we are thrilled to be, be back in studio with Tom Caleri, and he brought a friend with him here tonight. We got uh, assistant coach Mike Nesbitt in studio. Guys, thanks for joining us, and congratulations on the, on the victory. Uh, thank you very much for having us, Bob. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, I know D was at a lot of these games, and and he's just as thrilled as anybody here. So I, actually, I figure I'd let him lead off the the segment here. Absolutely. I mean, anybody that knows me knows I'm, a, I'm an excitable guy, and I love Penn State athletics. And it was just a thrill to watch you guys bring home a, another world, a small college World Series title to the city of Dubois. Um, I don't know, just a real broad question. Just take us through it. You know, tell us all about what happened, highs and lows, good stuff, bad stuff, anything in between. <laughs> Well, I guess I'll start. Um, you know, it was a, um, I guess you, you'd look at the final product, which was winning the World Series. But honestly, this year was more about, to me personally, the journey of getting to that to that championship. Because if you would have told us two months ago, you're going to win the World Series again, even to win the conference championship, I think we both would have been pretty skeptical. But just the whole journey and, and how everything happened and how the boys came together and grew. And it was, um, it was fun. It was the most excitable season I think we've had. Yeah, I think it was uh, extremely gratifying uh, this year more than any other year. But uh, all the credit to the boys uh, trusting us and trusting our daily routine. I think baseball players are probably the most routine people there are. And, you know, we had a lot of ups and downs. I came in here earlier this year with you guys and, you know, telling you how banged up we were and it was going to be a tough beginning. And it was, but those guys showed their true character. And I think that's what, for me, taking away from the season, they really showed how much character they truly have. And they have great family up backgrounds. And, you know, they stuck with the uh, cliche, the process, so to speak. But, um, yeah, they showed some character. And, um, you know, we had zero home runs <laughs> in that tournament. And, uh you know, that shows a lot of people how the game is supposed to be played. We are the anti-showcase baseball team. And uh, we've to, we just proved how to play the game the right way. Yeah, I saw. I mean, you guys won in a variety of ways. You had the great pitching, you know, at times. You, uh, you know, you had a 17 to three victory in the in the final to take the stress away so i mean it that's a testament to a good team that you can win in a variety of ways but i wanted to ask you guys about that 8 30 a.m game 
<laughs> what is it like playing at 8.30 a.m.? And, you know, a lot of college kids, they, I, I know I teach a little bit at Penn State. They don't want to get up for an 8 o'clock class. How, how do you get them going for an 8.30 a.m. baseball game? Our kids game? are different. They're, yeah. Our kids are, are they're just... They're outdoors people, you know, so, you know, getting up at 4.30 is nothing odd to them to go turkey hunting or getting up at 5.30 to get on the stream at daybreak. I mean, you know, going deer hunting in the winter, you know, and we we play early games. Um, they're used to getting up early because we play er, early games in Myrtle, but when we travel, like in conference especially, sometimes they're getting on the bus at 7.30. You know, so it's not like for them it was anything, anything unusual. The other team, you could hear them whooping it up. They, I think they were trying to get themselves up. You know, um, our kids were up. They, they're up. <laughs> yeah, I think Mike hit it on the head. I think it's one of those things where you know we used we do a lot of six a.m. workouts during the winter. Um, you know, we, we have a routine of the weight room. We have a routine of, you know, getting guys moving early in the day. Um, and also just, you know, like he mentioned, the bus rides, the Myrtle Beach trip. And we have a lot of camo on our team I like to talk about. So, which means we have tough, rural, western and central PA kids that usually they have a turkey bagged and tagged by the time 8.30 rolls around. So uh, that's no big deal for them. But, yeah, it, you know, we were playing a great opponent like that, and, and I think that a lot of credit has to go to Taylor Bolin um, because Taylor was phenomenal on the mound and gave us a chance against a, probably the best-hitting team in the, in, the, uh, in the World Series. So I have two questions for you. I'm, I'm going to lead with the tough one. The, the tough one is what exactly happened with the Stern – uh, mound there. I mean, because that was last minute. Like I was ready, kind of. I was at work. I was monitoring, and then all of a sudden, boom! There's a, there's a time change, and nobody really had too many answers on that. Yes. Yeah, so how it went down was, we show up at the field. We're taking BP, and the the mound itself, the surface was resurfaced two weeks prior. But a few days prior, they they have to you know do these patches, the landing spots in front. And it's with Velcro. So a couple of days prior to the tournament, they redid that. Well, when the, when you have a six foot three, two hundred thirty pound left hander from Duville, who was first team all conference, standing out there dropping his foot on that every time his front foot would hit, it would slide, it would slide, and he told his coach, "I can't pitch on this." And their coach came out and said, "You know, I don't want my pitcher pitching on this. If we have to play this game, I'm not pitching him." Well, me, I could have said very easily if I didn't want to face that guy, I said, "Okay, well, let's." And let's play it then. But I didn't. If your guy's not comfortable playing, then you know I'll I'll forfeit to whatever you guys are comfortable with. So the CEO of our COO of the USCA said, if their player's not comfortable, we can't risk injury. We're not putting a kid in those situations of risk injury because it kept sliding and sliding and sliding. Until that has time to settle, you, you can't put a six foot three kid on there. He's going to tear an ACL. Possibly, may not happen. But it's not worth the risk. No, player safety is definitely yeah. number one. So, so I, that's kind of how it went down. That had to be tough for you guys too, because you're ready, up and ready to go, and then yes. all of a sudden, bang, you got to move everything. And, and it was, it was tough. It was tough, especially for our pitcher. Um, he was ready to go right away, I think, and uh, he wanted to pitch. And I was like, "Listen, we're not pitching. We're not playing this game if they're not comfortable. Both teams have to be comfortable, and and and, and you know, the game is not worth the risk of someone." Something getting injured, so it still worked out. I mean, Showersfield can hold all the games there, um, so it was fine. 
Yeah, and and the second thing I have to talk about, you had so many great pitching performances, but I and I admit a little bias here because I'm friends with Jook, but Zach, Zach Tiracorda, I mean, I don't think anybody saw. I mean, I thought he'd do okay, but I don't think anybody saw that gem coming, and I felt that was really the turning point where I thought up until then I thought, oh, you know, anything could happen here. I really thought you guys were in the driver's seat after that because he saved your whole bullpen, and we talked you know, the week before about how, how it's so it's so difficult to get, keep that pitching lined up. And I think that's what happened to your opponents in the last game is, you know, they just ran out. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, yeah, that, that, that happens a lot. You know, when you get in tournament play, the team, first of all, staying out of the loser's bracket helps. Huge. Oh, it's huge. If you drop um, down the first game, it's so hard. Yeah, then, then you're really using up pitching. But actually, we had to play an extra game this year because yeah, we had play. to play that 8-9 yep. yep. game. Right. We never had to play that before. So – Actually, a lot of these teams, like Cincinnati, were evened up with us by the time even they had a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, our depth really showed. Getting four – do we have four complete games in the first four games? Three. Not three. And yeah, three, yeah. But still, you know, five pitchers in four games. It's amazing. Yeah, and we have – we knew the one thing we had this year was pitching depth, more than we've ever had before. So we were confident going into, like, a tournament situation – that we're going to be a little bit deeper than everybody else. And it sort of happens. You see it every year here. The longer you go, the higher the scores, scores get. Oh, yes. <laughs> people run out of pitching. It's just, it's just you know. It's the nature of the is. beast. I do exactly. I do a lot of youth games, and it's the same thing. First part of the week, you get these nice 2-1, yeah. 3-2 games. You know, as umpires, you're just seeing strikes. And by the by the fourth day, it's like, oh, just give me a strike, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> you're just desperate for strikes. I mean, and, so. and Turk was unbelievable. And he, frankly, he's been really good all year. Yes. I mean, Really good. Our, our freshman arms this year in the fall, we we were looking at each other like these kids are composed. Like Christian Hop, only thrown ten innings all year, and then coming in and starting, we had no problem with him starting. We knew he wouldn't get over. You know, the moment wouldn't be too much for him, and it wasn't. It wasn't. He was just out there doing what he does. He's just super composed, and Turk's the exact same way. Owen Graham is that way. I mean. You know, McLean really built himself up into a really good pitcher this year. So, yeah, yeah great, great stuff. Watch. Great stuff. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Also, what was fun to watch was the fans. There were so many people completely engaged with every pitch. You can't fake that, and you guys have built that, and that's a testament to what you're doing here at Penn State Dubois, which is to be applauded. On a personal level, it was awesome for me because seeing my son over there with all of his little friends. All of those boys play baseball, aside from maybe a couple. I shouldn't say a couple of them don't, but that, that's neither here nor there. Those kids, one of the kids told me it was one of the best nights he's ever had. <laughs> and I mean, I know kids, there's hyperbole with children and stuff, but they all had such a good time being engaged in the game of baseball under, you know, those kids, that's a big deal. I mean, showers is incredible at night with a crowd. I think that was an awesome thing. I mean, did your kids feel that? Was there a sense of the electricity? I know you said your kids were composed, which is incredible, but did they know what the moment was? I mean, some of them maybe hadn't been there before. And Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, our guys, they, they, they sensed the crowd when they were, as they were filing in. Um, and you know, see all the little kids up there screaming and hollering and yelling and a couple kids asking for autographs. Mm-hmm. And I know one of my students, uh, wanted Colby Bottorf's autograph, so I got it for him. Um, so yes, I think as a, as a kid looking at it through their lens, um, you know, that's something that will stay with them. And, and our goal is always to, you know, baseball is a dying game, unfortunately. And, uh, the more we can give back and those moments, those kids will remember, you know, help them love the game even more and pass that down 
So our guys really have a good sense of, you know, a priority of passing it down. We have a lot of our guys umpire. We have a lot of our guys that coach youth baseball. Um, so they, they have a good sense of, you know, making sure they get the game passed down. And we, we emphasize that all the time, Mike and I, at practice. And, you know, I think they love the moment. The more people there are, and one of the kids commented, hey, the more people there are, the bigger the game is. And that's, that's what you love about it because they, they embrace that. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I wanted to ask you about a coaching decision here, and I don't know how you guys go about the, you know, making these decisions, but there was a runner, uh, what, two out, or one out in the seventh inning. It was the game Dave was talking about with Tierra Corda in there. And, um, you know, you kept him in there in the seventh inning. He was pitching well, but it's only a two-nothing game, and there's runners on the corner with one out, and you chose to keep him in there. What was your thinking there? So... Yeah, it's a good question. I think everybody wanted to know why I didn't take him out. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Zach, and I played with his dad at Lock Haven, Jook, Aaron. Um, he he won the state championship in Legion this past summer, won nothing. And as Mike said very well, that these kids are very composed and they, the moment's not too big for them. So we had Christian Hopp warmed up in the, in the bullpen uh, to face the lefty. And I walked out and he the kid's pitching a three hitter right so when i walked out i just wanted to see what his reaction was i asked him a couple questions and his reaction was they're not getting on base was very looked right through me and said they're not getting on base hmm. and that's all he had to say i was like all right it's your ball game he sometimes you just got to go with your gut as Mike knows, coaching all these years, and you know, you could easily go with that. And, and in the championship game, I'm matching up the whole time, so I did the opposite. So that was my gut that game. So sometimes you just got to get a feel. And I just felt Zach um, was throwing really well. And I think it's by our observation, by sitting in the dugout, Mike and I talked the whole game of watching guys' stuff. Is it up in the zone? Is it down in the zone? Is he still hitting the spots? And we talked to our catchers. So it's really a feel for the game and talking and you know, visualizing what what you see. Uh, how he's throwing and if guys are barreling him and they weren't barreling him at all and then going out and seeing his reaction if he'd have been head down kind of scuffling a little bit it may have been a little bit different choice but now he deserved to have the ball well in the field for the game you guys have it down and I mean I think I speak for all of us we're just you know in awe of what you guys are doing over there and we really appreciate having you on. Anybody else have anything for the good of the order here? No, again, just guys, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your time. And uh, we're looking forward to having you on future segments down the road. Um, yeah, just keep up what you're doing because it's pretty awesome. And en- enjoy the summer a little bit, too. Yeah. Uh, we're recruiting already. There you go. <laughs> hey, one of the kids said, um, where else? Can, one of the kids, it was in, uh, I, I forgot, I saw it online. It said, where else can you go to win national titles? Um, it was, he mentioned Penn State wrestling and Alabama football. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, hey, what you guys are doing is, you know, it's pretty great stuff. So thank kudos you, to, yeah. to you both and to your kids. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, let's hope the Penguins can get back on that <laughs> yeah, train. Absolutely. We're going to talk about their GM search here when we return on Under Review, sponsored by Next Tier Bank. Stay with us. Yeah, we could probably use thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. We could, oh, probably, we could probably use all the Right. Right. Well, they they know you. Break every 
before the debt ceiling is reached, and then we'll go inside the economy with Stuart Barney. Don't miss a minute. Thursday edition, Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian Kilmeade, weekday mornings at 9, 99.7 and 96.7. Connect FM. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Partly cloudy skies tonight with a low of 38. Northeasterly winds 8 to 15 miles per hour. High of 67 tomorrow, mainly sunny. Mainly clear skies again tomorrow night, lows around 38. Sunny skies and calm Friday with daytime highs approaching 71. 76 Saturday. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 73. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. We're going to talk Penguins, but Dave has some Don news here. Maybe. Your local Cub Cadet dealer. Dave has some news for us here before we uh, get into the Penguin search. So what do you got, Dave? Well, I, uh, I, I literally just came here off the field. Uh, you know, I umpire some high school balls. So for anybody who's interested, uh, Dubois Central Catholic, I had that game. They won 11-0 in five innings, so they move on. And Kerwinsville, I just got a text from one of my other umpire friends. They won 7-6 to six on a walk-off. So uh, pretty exciting for the local uh, lady, you know, girls softball programs. And it's a great time of year, you know, the baseball action, the softball action. You want to go out, you want to see some great ball. Um, this this Friday, there's some. And then Monday, uh, Heindel and Showers are going to be filled up with district uh playoffs so if you have nothing better to do go out and watch some of that yeah and we weren't expecting to have you in here tonight well that's what happens when you know you, you, the game was started at four you think it'll take till six and when there's a 10 run rule it's over at five and so i was in clarion i thought well i'll come back and say and plus i really wanted to hear these folks you know these folks from penn state dubois talk and and how great that was so yeah, and we're going to talk to ben jones here in a little bit but i don't know if you guys saw this there's actually a coaching baseball coaching vacancy in state college right now who knows if Tom Caleri's name's going to get brought Ooh, up? Ooh, I hadn't thought about that, but you know, I, it, it, I did see that the coach resigned over there, yeah. and so I was, and I looked, and it's like, well, you know, I, I don't, I get leery about just looking at records because that doesn't always tell the whole story. But, but they have struggled in Big Ten play pretty badly, so maybe that you know probably plays into it. So, well, but, speaking of struggling, the Penguins have struggled here <laughs> at least this year, in in really under the uh, Hextall reign here. A lot of bad decisions, and of course, I think uh, the three of us were all on board with him losing his job, and that didn't take long. But it's been what six weeks, I think, since the Penguins last played, and uh, you know there hasn't really been a whole lot of news on the GM front. Well, lo and behold, it feels like it's coming at us pretty quickly now, and I feel like we're on the verge of hearing some news. Maybe even tonight, it could be any time now. Uh, the rumor now is that Kyle Dubas is the you know the front runner. He uh, apparently is in Pittsburgh, and he met with Sidney Crosby last night in Cranberry. So I don't think you come to Pittsburgh, meet with the captain, if you're just, you know, exploring a little bit or both sides. So what do you guys think of the uh, the GM search? What do you think of Dubas in particular? Well, uh, go ahead. Oh, okay, well, I, I was going to say, I mean, he, he obviously is, is a really smart guy. I mean, everything I read about him is he's a really smart guy. Um, I'm not... I said to you before, I'm not super crazy about some of the the contracts he handed out. Um, the Tavares one, that's, that's really going to hamstring them in Toronto for a while. Um, 
there was obviously a major problem between him and Shanahan up there. Who knows which, you know, was was it Shanahan being too old school, you know, kind of, I'll call them the old dinosaurs, like, like frankly, we had with Brian Burke, or is it that Dubas was just hard to work with? I don't know. I do like the fact that he's a, a more analytical. I think the Penguins definitely need to embrace that, that there's advanced stats. And I'm not saying that's the be-all, end-all, but if you're not part of that, you're behind. And, and you see that in every sport. So I, I don't really have any issue with it if, if, if he'll come and and kind of provide some real direction. And, and I have a lot more to say about some of the stuff that's gone on that's come out about the Penguins recently. But what do you think, D? Well, the one thing, it can't be any worse, right, guys? I mean, <laughs> you know, what Hextall and Burke did, they, they really did nothing other than blow up what was one of the, you know, proudest NHL franchise. I mean, they, they really messed up the works there. Um, I don't think Dubas is going to harm them in any way at all. Again, the analytics, I love that. Um, for a market like Pittsburgh being, you know, they're going to be cap bound. He's going to have to, you know, work some magic to make that team a viable option again. But on the flip side of that, look what Florida's doing. I was completely wrong about Florida. The Penguins were right there. I mean, so, I mean, maybe they weren't as bad as, you know, Stagy was on here a couple weeks ago talking about the parody in the NHL. Maybe the Penguins aren't as bad as what we think they are. Maybe they just were a couple wins here and there away. You just never know. Yeah, if your goalie gets hot, just like in That's Florida, it. you never know. And without a couple Penguin losses, Florida might not even be in the playoffs, you know. That's so. it. Well, yeah, that we talked about that Chicago game was really, really uh, the BLN, that third period in, of, against Chicago. But I do want to throw a little bit of cold water on that anybody can do this, and that's that most of the teams that are winning have a lot more youth. I mean, you know, Kachuk in Florida, he's younger. I mean, most of your your, your cup-winning superstars are under 30. I'm, I'm not saying it can't be done, but I'm saying they're going to have to really mix in some young legs, which, by the way, is what they did in 16 and 17. We've talked about that before. So I don't think if they'd have made it, they'd have had anything like this kind of a run. I think Florida had a little bit more of the secret sauce there, maybe. And who who saw Bobrovsky finally actually doing it in the playoffs? Um, but yeah, uh, I also want to go back to this article that came out today on The Athletic that Ooh. just absolutely down. tore Burke and Hextall to pieces. Well, did it? Because, you know, Hextall apparently was out to get rid of Malkin and Latang, which, uh, you know, I, I know we all love them, but yet uh, maybe that would have been the right move in I, hindsight. I'm not saying that, that that idea was wrong necessarily, because I'm the one who said they shouldn't have re-signed Malkin, okay? So I... I'm on board with that. But the part that gets me, and I must say, Rob, Rob Rossi, who's a good reporter, is definitely a Malkin guy. So you could see that in, in the reporting, but there was a lot of bad blood. I mean, they, they said that inside the front office, you know, you, you had Sullivan people and you had Hextall people. And, yeah, that's not a good You know, it, it was really breaking down. I mean, it seemed like there was a lot of chaos. You, you just can't run an organization like that. And, you know, Morehouse also, you know, it sounds like he was forced out. I mean, it, it was a lot worse behind the scenes than I think any of us could have possibly realized. And I hope that this Fenway group can can really put their stamp on things. And, and whatever the direction is, let's let's just pick one and go, you know. I think with bringing in a guy like Dubas, too, you read about him. The analytics, again, he's not an emotional guy. He's not a guy that's going to get wrapped up into those types of things. Well, like, he looked like it in the playoffs. Well, he did. Yeah, I, I can understand. Yeah. I can understand. No, I know what you're talking there, about. But though. as far as making decisions, he seems like a guy that's just going to look at the right. black and white numbers and say, hey, the stats don't lie. Dave, you're 100% right. They need to get younger. And I'm not anywhere close to GM level anything in my life. 
But if I were running the Pittsburgh Penguins, I would bring in as many young players as I could and get them up, get them ice time, get them, get them on the ice with the big three and just see what happens. Yeah, I'm just wondering, you know, Josh Yoey posted in a, on Twitter in a, in a reply to another tweet, which is weird because this is kind of like breaking news. He said, the job is Dubas as if he wants it. That, to me, is big news. It is big news. But the question is, does Dubas want it? Should he want it? Well, here, you know, I hear people talk about this all the time. Oh, is that a GM job that so-and-so would want? There's only 32 of these jobs in the world. So, you know, does du- if Dubas passes on this, and, and Pittsburgh is still a high-quality organization with deep, deep-pocketed owners, you know, and they're looking to really get some re- new revenue source. I see there's a brand-new um, all-inclusive Casamigos. Yeah, club. that it, 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 under Section 109. So they're really trying some Shout new out things to Chris down Saber. there. And, but why wouldn't? I, I guess my answer is why wouldn't he be interested in that? You've still got Crosby. You've still got Latang. You, you've you've got this ownership group that wants to win. There aren't that many opportunities like that that come up. And if he waits, he could end up missing the bus and end up you know stuck in Arizona for five years, and who knows what happens then. <laughs> Yeah, Dave, you're right. I mean, there's 32 spots out of the 32. How many are actually desirable? I mean, come on, you know, a guy like him, he's not going to be going out in, in one of these smaller franchises, you know, to you know to manage a team and an organization into oblivion. He's going to want to be somewhere where you know, the, the Penguins could theoretically still contend for the cup. They, the pieces are there, but you've got to rearrange the pieces. I firmly believe that. I don't look for them to rebuild in a big way. They're not going to tear it down, not with those three guys under contract. Um, you know, they do have a good top six. I'll say that. So they have the top six. They just got to put the other pieces around the top six. So if there's any sort of hope, I, I think it lies there. Well, and, and figure the goalie thing out. If, one, if I've learned one thing from this playoff, so, and, I, and I should have learned this years ago, is that you never know what you have in goal in the playoffs. I mean, this guy for Vegas, I don't even remember his name. Mm-hmm. You know, he never Aiden done Hill, anything. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he, he's just killing it. Every game, he's killing it. And uh, so, and then on the other side, you have Bobrovsky, who had that huge contract and was a huge disappointment for all these years and always failed in the playoffs. And every time he played Pittsburgh in the playoffs, I was like, yes, okay, there's a series <laughs> win. And now, he's amazing. What was it, 110 of his last 111? Yep. I mean, that that's that's crazy. Why yeah. do the Penguins always seem to run into one of those goaltenders, too? It, it never ceases to amaze me. They run into these brick wall guys. It's nuts. Yep. Is it the goalie or is it the team? Uh, shooting Bit of both. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're going to uh, strap on the uh, Penn State gear again here after the break. We're going to talk to Ben Jones from statecollege.com about all things Penn State. So stay with us here as we continue under review on Connect FM. Who knows everything about water? From well drilling to water delivery to home or office, pool and spa chemicals and water pumps and water treatment, Hugh Water Service. That's us. With over 35 years of water experience, Hugh Water Service provides Western Pennsylvania with one convenient source for clean and clear water. Superior installations at competitive prices, including sales, service, and rentals for pumps, tanks, and water treatment systems. That's us. Well drilling, including water wells, geothermal wells, well cleaning, and Bottled water delivery and coffee to your home or office, we do that too. With free delivery, ask for details. We even offer excavating services. Huh, you water services even does that? That's full service. That's us. If you think we're just another water company, you're all wet. Voted best in Tri-County. Family owned and operated since 1988. On Route 219 just south of Brockway or visit them on the web at youwaterservices.com. That's us. 
O'Brien Family Medical is celebrating National EMS Week. When you join your local ambulance company, you benefit. Annual membership fees are minimal and depend on the coverage you choose. As a member, you avoid high out-of-pocket expenses if you should require ground or air EMS service. Memberships in EMS provide a benefit for your family and the community as revenue helps fund local ambulance companies. O'Brien Family Medical asks that you ensure that your local community continues to have ambulance services. Become a member of your local ambulance company today. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. Well, I know we have a good Penn State following in our community, and uh, a lot of that has to do with our local baseball team, which is doing wonderful. Uh, but we're going to branch out here to uh, State College, and we're going to talk all kinds of Penn State sports here. We got Ben Jones on the line from StateCollege.com. Ben, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And we really appreciate it. I'm going to start with uh, football. Because uh, you know that's what I do. I, I love I love the NFL and I love the draft. And I thought we'd start with the Nittany Lions, who were selected in the NFL draft a month ago. One of those, of course, was Joey Porter Jr. taken at the top of the second round. Here, I'm sure many people are pretty familiar with his background. But what kind of a player and person are the Steelers getting with Joey Porter? Yeah, I mean, I think you know the biggest thing, you know, on the football side of things is that you're going to get a player that is really high IQ. High IQ. I, I think that obviously any time that you grow up in a football family and, you know, Steelers fans don't need that story retold to them. Um, but but I, I think that really pays dividends. I think you grow up around the game, you understand it. Obviously, um, his dad having, you know, the, the defensive acumen that he does, um, you saw that really from day one with Joey. And I, I think an aggressiveness that really paid off for him at times. And I think that's, that's one of the things that will be interesting about Joey Porter Jr. Um, you know, at the next level, seeing how he can uh, play with that same sort of aggressiveness that he had in college. Sometimes it got him in trouble. Um, other times it, it resulted him in making big plays. Um, you know, so I think on the field, you know, you're going to get a guy that's pretty much ready right off the rip, you know, depth chart notwithstanding. Off the field, you know, Joey was always a good guy to talk to um, from the media perspective and certainly seems, I think, again, when you have a guy that, that grows up in a football family with a football father that you know had success at that level, you understand what it takes to be successful. You understand the sort of decisions you have to make on and off the field in order to be successful. Yeah, the other players selected from Penn State were Brenton Strange, tight end. He went to Jacksonville. We had Juice Scruggs, the offensive lineman to the Texans, Jair Brown, safety to San Francisco, Sean Clifford to the Packers, and Parker Washington, the wide receiver. So of those, which do you think will have the the most, um, I guess, productive NFL career? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question because I think, you know, each position you sort of have a different opportunity to be successful for different reasons, especially if you get, you know, thrown in on uh, special teams. You know, I have always been a big fan of, of everything that Jair Brown brings to the table. I think he's an outstanding talent. He's not going to impress you in any sort of flashy way, but he's always going to be in the right place at the right time. Great guy off the field. Um, you know, I, I think that's a, a really good choice. I think Brenton Strange really – is another guy that, you know, the tight end position has become more and more important in my view at really every level of, of football, but certainly in the NFL. 
and Brenton, I don't think, has necessarily the Travis Kelsey sort of athleticism or even the Mike Kosicki athleticism, but he can block. He's physical. He's hard to bring down. He can make all the catches. To me, um, he's really been or really was one of Penn State's most consistent offensive weapons the last few years. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of sneaks in there, even even if he got drafted as early as he did, if he sneaks in there and surprises some people um, because I think he really has all the pieces to be a successful NFL player. And there's always somebody that's going to surprise you. Um, that's why the draft is so deep and why these guys work so hard for those opportunities. Yeah, I realize it's early, um, but what's the buzz for the Nittany Lions this year? Um, I know there's a lot of expectations with Drew, Drew Aller at the helm. Um, they, you know, A lot of the pundits are picking them, some in the top five, top six. You know, What are your thoughts on that? Again, I know it's early, but how are they looking in, in, in practice and what's, what's the buzz down in State College? Yeah, I mean, I think there's obviously any time you have a quarterback change or, you know, by virtue of time passing by, and especially for how long Sean Clifford was at Penn State, I think there's a lot of buzz there. I think Drew has earned a lot of buzz with the arm that he has, the strength that he has, the arm slots that he has. He can really make all of the throws. You hear that said about a lot of quarterbacks, and you kind of take it with a grain of salt, but it really is true with Drew. You know, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, I think, are really going to be they have the potential to be maybe the best one-two punch running back unit in the country. Um, certainly up there in that top five, depending on how you rank them. Um, you know, I, I think to me the big question is who's going to catch the passes. I, I think that we've seen historically, um, you know, you go back to the 2018 season, Penn State had a good quarterback and Trace McSorley had a pretty good run game with Miles Sanders. K.J. Hamler was okay in the pass game, but he wasn't enough they had problems with drops they had problems just kind of getting the offense going so to me um you know for penn state to really live up to its top five top ten billing it's going to have to figure out the pass game i think this team is going to lean on its running backs but at the end of the day if you want to be a playoff team um expansion or not uh you have to figure out how to be successful in both phases and and i think that penn state will be able to do that but i do think that there might be a bump in the road along the way but there's no question defensively offensively they have all the pieces to be a very good team the schedule is fairly favorable in terms of travel in terms of when they get ohio state and michigan um so everything is there you know are they top five you know seeing is believing that's for sure but certainly um there's a lot of reason to be optimistic Kind of switched <clears throat> topics here and talk a little baseball rob cooper obviously announced his resignation he was with the program 10 seasons um what what are your thoughts there? Was it was it just I know his rec, the record in conference wasn't wasn't the greatest. Is is this just a performance issue, or is there something else to it? And and where do you think the program goes from here? Yeah, I mean I've I've only talked to Rob a few times over the years, but he's always been great. And I think one of the things that you know that comes with Penn State baseball is a little bit like Penn State basketball. Is it's it's a difficult situation to build a program, and you look at. Um, you know, the programs that are traditionally good at baseball at the collegiate level tend to be more Southern, you know, they, they tend to be in the SEC, tend to be in that part of the country where baseball is a little bit easier to play year-round. The facilities are a little easier to work with. Um, you know, I think in some respects, you know, Rob did a pretty good job, did a better job um, than a lot of people before him had. You know, what the specifics reasons were, you know, I, I'm not sure, but I, I certainly think that, you know, at the end of the day, this is a guy that, that put a lot of time and energy into Penn State baseball. Um, it's just a tough job. It's a tough situation to be in. Um, and, and sooner or later, you know, you realize that, you know, you've put everything you can into that. And I, I think, you know, sometimes 
when you have an athletic department have a, a changeover, um, you know, sometimes you see changes uh, across the athletic department, and sometimes that's at the coaching level as well. We saw um, probably less talked about just be, by virtue of uh, how much it moves the needle. Both Penn State men's and women's golf um, have had both of their longtime coaches have retired. It's certainly a different situation than baseball, but sometimes for sure, um, you know, when a guy like Pat Kraft comes in, he says, I want to put my staple on this athletic department in a lot of different areas, and that's certainly one way to do it. Well, you bring up an interesting point because, you know, Pat Kraft did come in, and obviously, you know, when you think about Penn State, the average fan thinks, okay, football, wrestling, maybe basketball on, on the margins, and a couple other sports, you know, volleyball has been pretty strong. But do you think that uh, Pat Kraft is really going to put an emphasis on some of these programs that maybe haven't been as, as strong and try to make a more well-rounded athletic uh, program such as like Michigan would have or some of the SEC schools? Do you think like this is an opportunity for him to really elevate the baseball program? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question because honestly, you know, people don't think about Penn State baseball all that much. When you think about programs that Penn State has, even fencing, you know, fencing is a, a random program to have, but Penn State fencing has always been really quite good. I, they, they generated a, a couple Olympians, I believe, over the years. Um, you know, you look at men's and women's volleyball, men's volleyball made it deep into the tournament, women's volleyball, obviously, the, the time under Russ Rose speaks for itself, wrestling, men's hockey. Uh, women's hockey is getting better. That's another program that has faces a lot of challenges. Um, you know, softball, you can look across the board. Penn State's always been pretty good at a lot of things, but they've never been quite like Stanford, which is, you know, sort of the, uh, the, the Learfield Cup, which measures, you know, how good you are top to bottom uh, in terms of how your teams finish in the postseason or regular season. Stanford's one of those schools. Michigan's one of those schools that's always done really well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Certainly, um, you know, there are plenty of people in Pennsylvania who like baseball, so it's not a matter of it being a cultural thing. I think, uh, you know, sometimes Penn State basketball struggles a little bit because Center County is not necessarily a basketball hotbed in Pennsylvania. Outside of the Sixers is not necessarily a basketball-centric, uh, you know, state, so I think there's some challenges there. But I think, yeah, if you're Pat Kraft, you go, where can I make an impact? And certainly – oftentimes the easiest place to make an impact are with the teams that have you know, seen the least amount of success. You, you mentioned the things that are and aren't hotbeds in Central PA, and, and you're, you're right about basketball, but one of the things that is, even before Penn State became so dominant in wrestling, is high school wrestling. And, and you know, so obviously you've probably seen, they, they always sell out Rec Hall, and, they, and when they put matches at the BJC, they tend to sell them out. And so that leads to my question, do you see them moving more matches to the BJC and maybe even all or most of the matches to the BJC? Because I feel like there's such a shortage of availability while it's in Rec Hall. I know it's a great environment, but it's a very small environment. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good question, and I, I feel like it sort of comes up once or twice a year uh, around this time or around wrestling season. You know, I think there's a balance there because I think there's no question that Rec Hall is one of the premier wrestling environments in college wrestling. And I think that, you know, while Kale Sanderson has obviously, you know, gets the vast majority of the credit for what Penn State's been able to do, I do think that wrestling there is an advantage. And I also think that the Jordan Center matches, you have, you do too many things, you run the risk of losing the novelty a little bit. You, you look again. Um, you know, maybe basketball to wrestling in the center county region isn't the, the best comparison, but, you know, Penn State went back to rec hall for a couple games over the last 
decade or so to kind of do that throwback game. The first one was really exciting. Everyone showed up. The second one, a little less so. So I think, you know, obviously the fan bases are a little bit different there. Um, but I do think you run the risk a little bit of if you do it every single week. And I think it's also important to note that, you know, Penn State has by and large done their Jordan Center duels um, against marquee opponents. So it's not like you're watching them roll over some, you know, random uh, you know, school from down the street. So I, I do think there's a little bit of that. And I do think, you know, you go back to when they built the Google Ice Arena, they said, do we want an arena that holds 15,000 or do we want an arena that, you know, fo- holds 6,000? And Terry Pugula said, um, you want to build a church that isn't just full on Easter. So I think for them, um, you know, it's important to say, we will always want to have a demand. We always want people to be able to go. But at the same time, you want to open up your doors to bigger events uh, to get everybody in from time to time. Well, Ben, we got about an, another minute here or so, and I just wanted to leave you with one more question here. This one, again, about the basketball program. Micah Shrewsbury, of course, left the program here at Penn State, went to Notre Dame. He led the Nittany Lions to its first NCAA tournament and over first win in over 20 years. How big of a setback is it to the program that he, le- he moved on? Um, I mean, it's obviously it's not good, but I think the thing that the transfer portal really – gives Mike Rhodes and really gives any college basketball coaches the ability to rebuild quickly because you look at the success that Micah Shrewsbury had, he did it on the backs of three guys he found on the transfer portal, you know, Jalen Pickett, uh, Kanye Cleary, um, Cam Winter, uh, you know, Andrew Funk. These guys are guys that they went out and found. So to me, you know, yes, the challenges are there. There's no question that Micah Shrewsbury is an excellent coach and Penn State would be happy to have him. Um, but I think if Mike Rose has got his X's and O's figured out, can recruit well, can recruit the portal well, um, I'm not saying they're going to find another Jalen Pickett already, um, but certainly, you know, I think the timeline is not as bad as it was, say, 10 years ago when Pat Chambers took the job, had to rebuild, and it took about six years to do it. All right, Ben, well, we really appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, can you tell our listeners how they can follow your work? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Ben underscore Jones 88, and if you just want to read my words instead of my Uh, bad tweets you can find them at statecollege.com all right well thanks so much ben we hope to have you again take care yep thanks for having me fellas thank you i'm dan kennard with connect fm local news here's what's happening an elk county man was sentenced to a state prison term of four to 25 years for delivering the fentanyl and heroin which killed a dubois man According to court documents, 30-year-old Cody Hummel of Johnsonburg pleaded guilty to drug-related charges Monday. The victim was found dead in September 2021, just two days after phone records show that he purchased drugs from Hummel. The federal government has filed a sexual harassment lawsuit against a Falls Creek businessman who owns and operates a number of rental properties. The U.S. Justice Department accuses Timothy Britton, who owns Tim's Apartments, of violating fair housing laws by making repeated and unwelcome sexual comments to, requesting sexual contact from, and touching female tenants without their permission. Accusations against Britton go back to at least... 2016. The Dubois VFW Post 813 would like to invite you to attend their annual Memorial Day program at St. Catherine Cemetery. If you're unable to attend, please tune in to Connect FM at 9 a.m. to hear the live broadcast. Dubois VFW Post 813 is pleased to honor the colors that swerve free, the spirits that shine bright, and our nation that stands strong because of the courage and conviction of the brave men and women who serve our country. America's freedoms are 
only as strong as those willing to serve and defend them. This Memorial Day message is brought to you by the Dubois VFW Post 813. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Partly cloudy skies tonight with a low of 38. Northeasterly winds 8 to 15 miles per hour. High of 67 tomorrow, mainly sunny. Mainly clear skies again tomorrow night, lows around 38. Sunny skies and calm Friday with daytime highs approaching 71. 76 Saturday. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 73. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. It's always good to have the three of us in the studio, guys, and we weren't really prepared here as much because uh, we didn't think Dave would be with us, but we thought we'll throw the under review segment in. Uh, you guys are good at coming up with things off the cuff anyhow, so why don't we start with you, D? What do you got tonight? I'm sure I, it's NBA. You know what? I'm going to talk NBA because okay. when I'm back, the Loyal Suns know that being back is the best, and uh, a lot of the guys I know that listen to this love the NBA talk, so I'm certainly you know. Gonna... And I was thinking of you, by the way. I'm so sorry about the Lakers. Uh, yeah, it's... I was sorry about the Lakers. My buddies are having a real good time giving me crap about the Lakers and the Cavs. It's just not not good. But but hey, LeBron played out of his mind. You can't ask for much more in year twenty. But all that said, um, it looks like it's going to be a Nuggets Heat finals. Uh, I really thought the Heat were going to close out the Celtics last night. They didn't. Um, very really surprised at uh, the playoffs this year. Not the Nuggets so much, but the Heat. Um, they're an eight seed. It's the, it, it's the first time an eight seed is doing what they're doing. Uh, Jimmy Butler, I said, he's not a legitimate. No one ever talks about Jimmy Butler as being one of the top 10 players in the NBA. You don't see a lot of kids with his Jersey. They don't have figures for Jimmy Butler. His cards aren't worth a lot of money, but what he's doing in the playoffs and has done in the past it, you got to kind of reconsider because the, the, a lot of the, a lot of what NBA players do, it, it's judged in what they do in the playoffs. And over the past several years, you kind of got to look pretty hard to find anybody that's been better than Jimmy Butler. Um, so again, I, I don't know if you guys have watched any of the games at all. Uh, the, the Heat have been out of their minds. They're doing it with defense. Um, the Butler runs the show, and all the role players know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Now out in the West. Denver is just another thing. Um, they are just firing on all cylinders. Uh, Jokic should have won the MVP. Um, NBA is, is weird. The voters don't like to give it to guys several years in a row. That happened to Jordan. That happened to LeBron. That happened to Jokic as well. Embiid had a wonderful season, but Jokic right now is the best player in basketball. Um, he's a special talent, class guy. Uh, you could they, They're going to be a problem out West for a long time. Uh, it's just been a really interesting playoffs, and, and it's one of those things where if, if you're a fan of the NBA, it's kind of interesting as well. Uh, they uh, discredited the Lakers because of the bubble championship. Well, the four teams that were in the finals, the Western Conference and Eastern Conference finals, were bubble teams hmm. um, that made it that year for the Western so Eastern Conference. So it wasn't a fluke. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't a fluke. Um, but yeah, uh, back to the Lakers, though. Um, the rumor is, is they're looking at getting Kyrie Irving. Not real happy about that, but we can talk about that another day. So, well, will they have LeBron? Uh, you know what? I don't see LeBron going out this way. He's still got it in him. I mean, he was probably the fourth or fifth 
best player in the playoffs in that in the Nuggets and Lakers series. He was the second best player on the floor. The, the guy is just unbelievable what he's doing. It 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 defies everything. He's flying in the. It's just I can't believe when I watch him. He's in year twenty. There's a lot of excitement in South Florida right now, you know. Oh so, my goodness gracious! Now, yes. if it is the Heat and the Nuggets in the finals, do you have a favorite? The Nuggets. I just think the Heat, their luck runs out. I shouldn't say luck. You, every every round, you've said this. I just <laughs> yeah. want to point that out. You know what? I, you're absolutely right, Dave. But I am not alone, and people that have forgotten more about basketball than myself have have really been down on the Heat in every single series. As a matter of fact, um, if you look at what the Heat have done to Las Vegas. Las Vegas right now hates the Miami Heat because statistically, the analytics, which this is true, if you look at all these analytics sites, which are, it's just kind of a cool thing, they're still predicting the Celtics to win this series. They've predicted the Celtics to win every single game in this series, which is crazy. Well, that series is 3-1, right? Yeah. All I'm saying is if it gets to 3-2... Look out. That's that's exactly it. I lived up in Massachusetts when the, the Red Sox came back and beat the Yankees. And I you could feel that coming. If it does get to 3-2, Boston has a better team than Miami. Their, their bench is deeper. They have Tatum and Jalen Brown. They Tatum is a legitimate superstar. Dan Dennison. I know Dan Baronic's not going to like me saying that Tatum's a superstar, but he is. Um, if it gets to 3-2, it could get interesting. You know, but yeah, but Lakers just mm. <laughs> Tom ribbed me about wearing my Altoona curve hat. He goes, you got to switch it out. No more Lakers. <laughs> so go ahead. Yeah. But that's, that's that. I so. know you got a closet full. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dave, what do you got? Well, obviously, you know, I, I always go off the, you know, kind of seat of my pants, but today it's literally, I had no plan because I wasn't thinking I was going to be here, but I, I, I do want to talk a little bit, a little bit of golf and it's this great story that happened this weekend that I didn't even know about. You know, we, first of all, we had the great, you had the great tournament, um, the Randy Carlson and we were down there. Awesome. Part of the Thank stuff. you. Thank awesome. you guys. Made 60, by the way, they made $6,500. Excellent work, Bob. Thank Congratulations. There's a lot of that. people to thank there, but uh, we appreciate it. It was wonderful. But because of that and some other things I had going, didn't get to watch any of the, the final day of the PGA, and I'm not really a Kepka guy, so I saw he was leading. I'm like, I don't care. And I missed live this whole thing with this this club pro, this Michael Block, and you've probably heard about it. You know, he, you know, this guy, you know, really like a tin cup story. Yeah, just a, just a local pro. Oh, get, yeah, yeah. He came into the last round, tied for eighth. He's playing with Rory. You know, he's totally like freaked out. Won't even look him in the eye because like he he was so intimidated for the first few holes. And, he, and he's in you know he's in trouble. If he makes the top fifteen, he gets he gets invited back next yeah. year, and makes a whole pile of money. And comes to the fifteenth hole, he's kind of struggled and and. He flies a seven iron, dunks it in the hole, dunks it in the hole. He didn't even realize it. Rory's coming up to hug him, and he's like, "What are you? What's he doing? What's what's going on here?" And then he 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 makes a shot on eighteen to finish fifteenth. Um, and he, and I just was reading here before we went on. He, his world ranking went up over three thousand spots. Wow! You just don't see that, yeah. and it, it's cool. You know, it's it's the sort of thing you see in golf that you don't really see in any other sport, where somebody like that gets get gets on a run. And, and has that moment and it's probably the only moment he'll ever have but he'll always have it yeah i actually didn't watch any of the pga championship i just saw a couple highlights on the internet and it, he had to make that putt on 18 then 
to, to finish 15th. Yeah. Yes. And, and it looked like he almost left it short and it just caught <laughs> the lip and, yeah. and went in. So that is a heck of a story. In fact, it seems to me like that got more attention than Kepka winning the Well, Kepka was just a machine. I mean, he was out in front. Yeah, I think Block was. I mean, and I do kind of, I'm not a huge Kepka fan, but I do feel bad for him. He goes out there and dominates the field on a really hard course. And all anybody's talking about, including me, is Michael Block. Mm-hmm. But... He'll take, he'll take the fifth win, uh, major championship, I'm sure. Yeah, it's one of those things where no one's going to remember that Kepka won this year, but they're always going to remember that. And that what an incredible moment. I I was away this weekend, and I, but I watched it later when I got home on SportsCenter. Just so cool. I mean, just you love that about sports where someone like that can just do – it was just a really neat thing for him. And how many – we've all seen holes in one. How many have you ever seen dunked in like that? Even the right. announcers weren't sure where the ball went at right. first. All right. Well, we got uh, one more segment here, and we also got the local youth sports beat. So uh, stay with us as we continue Under Review, sponsored by Next Tier Bank here on Under, on Connect FM. This year's theme for EMS Week is Where Emergency Care Begins. And KMA Remarketing proudly supports and honors our local EMS. Celebrating 30 years in business, four founding partners, Dana and Carol Smith, and Bill and Betsy Boyle, with healthcare backgrounds and EMS being a big part of their lives. KMA Remarketing recognizes and employs many EMS professionals, such as J.R. Wells and Ken Allshouse, who joined KMA in 1996 and is now the president. South Jard Street, Dubois, and at KMARemarketing.com. Come. Smith Timbering and Consultants are experts at tree management and are looking for an energetic, reliable individual to join their team. They currently have an excellent opportunity for a full-time forestry technician to buy, mark, and cruise standing timber. They offer competitive pay with bonus incentives, health incentives, health insurance, and company vehicle. Associate's degree or higher in forestry required. Please email your resume or questions to Wes at smithtimbering.com. That's Wes at smithtimbering.com. Carlson Auto Repair is a locally family-owned and operated business that serves you, their customer, like you're one of the family. Carlson Auto Repair genuinely cares about the folks who come to see them for mechanical and auto body work. They don't do anything that isn't needed, and they do the repairs at an affordable rate. If you need auto repair inspections or collision work, get it done right and reasonably at Carlson Auto Repair, where they know you and they know your vehicle. 100 East Park Avenue, Dubois. Keeping your eye on the ball is the key to playing sports well. Let Wise Eyes coach you into sturdy shatter and contact-resistant eyewear. Whether your child plays sports, you love extreme sports, or you work in hazardous construction zones, you need sharp vision while protecting your eyes. Dr. Lineski is a leader in clinical eye care and takes the time to explain your eye test results. Proud to support local sports programs, Wise Eyes has served our community for over 20 years. Commons Drive to Boys and at MyWiseEyes.com. I'm Dan Kettered, and this is the Connect FM Local Youth Sports Beat, sponsored by Dr. Greg Lineski and Wise Eyes at the Dubois Commons. The playoffs are in the full swing for District 9 baseball and softball teams. We'll get to that in just a moment, but let's back it up and see how the regular season closed out for District 9 teams. In baseball action last Wednesday, May 17th, Clearfield got a 6-5 win over Huntingdon, while Belfont was shutting out Dubois 13-0 in five innings. Softball games last Wednesday included Punxsutawney with a 15-0 win over Brookville in four innings. Bradford downed Brockway 11-3. It was St. Mary's getting past Dubois Central Catholic 9-2. 
Then on Thursday, May 18th, Clearfield had a 13-2 win in baseball over Dubois in five innings, while St. Mary's had a close one with Elk County Catholic, but won it 3-2. Softball games on Thursday, the 18th, included a Punxsutawney 20 to nothing shutout of Brookville in four innings. Dubois got a shutout as well, 4-0 over Clearfield, and St. Mary's shut down Elk County Catholic 12-0 in five innings. Softball games on Friday, May the 19th, included a Clearfield victory over Bradford 2-1. The playoffs began this past Monday in the 4A championship in baseball. St. Mary's got a 6-3 win over Clearfield. St. Mary's is going to play a sub-regional playoff game with District 8's Carrick on Tuesday, May 30th at Showers Field in Du Bois. The AAA Championship in Baseball went to Punxsutawney. They beat Brookville 13-5 on Monday. Punxsies Cooper Hallman went 2-2 two for two in that game. He had four runs batted in for the Chucks. Carter Savage, 3-3 three for three performance at the plate with two runs batted in. Punxsutawney now will advance and face the District 5 champion, which will be either Somerset or Chestnut Ridge, and that will be in a sub-regional final played on two Tuesday at a District 5 site. In softball action on Monday in the 5A sub-regional game, the Lady Beavers of Dubois uh, defeated Brashear 17-1 in three innings. Gabby Galvis drove in five runs for the Lady Beavers. They now will get ready to take on the District 6 champion, either Central Mountain or Hollidaysburg, and that will be in the sub-regional championship game on Tuesday at a District 6 site. The double-A quarterfinals on Monday in softball included a 10-0 win for Monotaw over Brookville in five innings. In the single-A quarterfinal round, Elk County Catholic's Lady Crusaders slipped past Red Bank Valley 9-8. On Tuesday, in baseball playoff action, the Class 5A sub-regional semifinal had Dubois beating Obama Academy 5-3. And in the Class A quarterfinal round, Elk County Catholic scored seven runs to beat Otto Eldred 7-1. Coming up in playoff softball today, it's the single A semifinals. Forest Area is facing Dubois Central Catholic. That game being played at Clarion Limestone Sports Complex. Elk County Catholic has a date with Otto Eldred at Pitt Bradford today. In the AA semifinals today, Johnsonburg plays Kerwinsville at Brockway High School. And coming up in baseball playoff action tomorrow, AC Valley Union is going to go up against top-seeded Dubois Central Catholic. That will be played in Punxsutawney. And Elk County Catholic will face Clarion in Dubois. And that game is set for tomorrow afternoon at 1. And that is the Connect FM Local Youth Sports Beat, sponsored by Dr. Greg Lineski and Wise Eyes at the Dubois Commons. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. We're right up against it, guys. We're going to get lost here. I got one for you. Get lost to the Pirates' base running of late. I mean, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. It's just been awful. 
I got to say, get lost, Jamie Benn, who played for Dallas and, and did the stupidest thing I've ever seen a captain do on an NHL game. And I also have to say, get lost, playoff predictions, including ours, because yes. clearly nobody has any idea who's any good yep. in the NBA or the NHL. Yeah, we have no clue. And uh, hashtag get lost to the uh, tangy ketchup Doritos and the thin and greasy shout out to Jonathan Weber BLT Lays, which are terrible, by the way. But also, the, the the good one is the the mustard Doritos. So we'll keep those. No hashtag get lost on those. So, uh, but yeah, that's it. Dave, I, I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> I think that's a mic drop. Yep. Hey, thank you all for tuning in. We want to thank Next Year Bank for sponsoring, and we hope you'll join us again next week as we continue under review on Connect FM.